Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll visit their website and give them a call, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Just came out with a new news feed. I want to talk to him about that. Uh, We'll talk about education in Florida. Byron Donalds, uh, our state representative and candidate for U.S. Congress, will be with us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Lusk Government. And Naples' former mayor, Bill Barnett, will join us as well. It is May the 14th, and on this day in 1804, one year after the United States doubled its territory with the Louisiana Purchase, we talked about that yesterday, Uh, For $15 million, well, the Lewis and Clark Expedition left St. Louis, Missouri on a mission to explore the Northwest from the Mississippi River to the Pacific Ocean just to find out what they got for $15 million and more than that. Even before the U.S. government concluded purchase negotiations with France, President Thomas Jefferson commissioned his private secretary, Meriwether Lewis, and William Clark, an army captain, to lead an expedition in what is now the U.S. Northwest. On May the 14th, the Corps of Discovery, featuring approximately 45 men, although only 13 men would make the full journey, left St. Louis for the American interior. The expedition traveled up the Mississippi Missouri River, in a 55-foot-long keel boat and two smaller boats. In November, Charbonneau, a French-Canadian fur trader, accompanied by his young Native American wife, uh, enjoyed joined the expedition as interpreters. The group wintered in uh, present-day North Dakota before... Boy, what, uh, it must have been so cold in North Dakota. Anyhow, before crossing into present-day Montana, where they first saw the Rocky Mountains. On the other side of the Continental Divide, they were met with... Uh, Sakagawa's uh, tribe, the Shushon Indians, who sold them horses for their journey down the uh, Bitterroot Mountains. After passing through the dangerous rapids of the Clearwater and Snake Rivers in canoes, the explorers reached the calm of the Columbia River, which led them to the sea. On November the 8th, 1805, the expedition arrived in the Pacific Ocean, the first European explorers to do so by overland route from the east. After pausing there for the winter, the explorers began their long journey back to St. Louis. On September the 23rd, 1806, after almost two and a half years, the expedition returned to the city, bringing back a wealth of information about largely unexplored region, as well as valuable U.S. claims to Oregon Territory. Left on this day in 1804. Well, multiple brush fires in Collier County continue to grow and expand uh, to about 5,000 acres as of last night, with several residents already displaced with structures damaged or lost. I don't know if you saw the plume of smoke yesterday just covering uh, the east from uh, just looking out from the west uh, and looking out from the uh, Gulf of Mexico. It's just unbelievable amount of smoke. The fire began in Golden Gate Estates around 2 p.m., and then they started separated into about six different brush fires, probably because of uh, embers and flames. Uh, it's qu- quite a fire indeed. I think looking out the window now, I'm not sure if we have clouds out there or whether that's smoke, but I'm pretty sure it's not contained at this point after going uh, 5,000 acres. Well, Wednesday reported 21 new COVID-19 uh, vi- cases in uh, Collier County, two new deaths. Collier death toll now is at 34. The confirmed COVID-19 cases in Collier's increased to 864, 165 of which are in Immokalee. That seems to be the hot spot right now in Collier County. 133 people in Collier County have been hospitalized, and several of those, of course, have been released. <clears throat> now, one day after Arizona uh, Governor Doug Ducey gave his blessing for professional sports to resume in his state, Our governor, Ron DeSantis, who's been implementing the first phase of the state reopening amid the coronavirus pandemic, made a similar move for our state. He lifted restrictions that opens the doors, but not to spectators, for teams to practice and play games in Florida. Here's a quote from DeSantis. All professional sports are welcome here for practice and playing. Uh, He said, what if I... uh, 
I would tell commissioners of leagues is if you have a team in an area where they just won't let them pl- operate, for example, like Boston, we'll find a place for you here in the state of Florida. He wants everybody to know it's in cities like Boston where Mayor Marty Walsh announced that no events involving more than 10 people are allowed in the city until September the 8th, that the Red Sox are welcome to gather in Fort Myers to train and, if, if it comes to that, even start the regular season. DeSantis uh, certainly has paid attention to all the proposals to restart the NBA, and particularly the one involves using wide world of sports complex at Walt Disney World to host a large chunk of playoff games. We want to have you here, DeSantis said. We want to have basketball practicing here again. We would love to have Major League Baseball. All these professional sports are going to be welcome in Florida. That includes boxing, you kickboxing, you name it. He wants them to come down here, not with, with fans, but to be able to come down here and, and play their schedule. With nursing homes in Florida still among the hottest spots for COVID-19 cases and deaths, and I would suggest that's not only in Florida but across the country, Governor DeSantis said Wednesday he's looking ahead to allowing visitors again uh, to meet with residents, but only under a host of new conditions. He wants to make sure they're safe, testing uh, all the garb that they'll need in order to do that safely. And once that's accomplished, he said uh, Florida's 4,400 nursing homes will be able to have guests. But not yet, he conceded. Not yet. 4,400 nursing homes in Florida. That's amazing. My view has been, I want to get it to yes on that, DeSantis said. I want to be able to know that we can have procedures in place that if someone goes to visit their mother, they have two, two weeks later, we're not going to have 50 infections. That makes sense. Well, there's been no sure way to end up on the national media's blacklist amid the coronavirus pandemic than to say the words reopen and economy. And naturally, that's where Governors Bryant Kemp of Georgia and Ron DeSantis, both Republicans, found themselves in the second uh, either the second either of them began loosening up the state restrictions on normal business operations in recent weeks. For that, the entire media began casting them as reckless science doubters who were effectively inviting new outbreaks and mass, mass deaths within their states. But neither state has experienced an outbreak, and in fact, both Florida and Georgia are doing quite well, with COVID-19 rates uh, well below the national average of 25 per 100,000 people. In Georgia, it's 13, and in Florida, just 8. So how are the media COVID-19 governor's heroes doing? Well, daily press briefings by Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, a Democrat, are run top to bottom live on cable news outlets. Well, his performance are cherished by the press. The New York Times last month called Cuomo's delivery articulate, consistent, and often tinged with empathy. Isn't that something? The paper also likened the briefings to a tender embrace. That's from the New York Times about Cuomo. That soft hug hour is currently accompanied by the shockingly high death rate of 139 per 100,000. That's about 131 higher than Florida, a number that was boosted in part by Cuomo's appalling decision to force nursing homes to accept any elderly person who's been infected with the virus. This directly exposed many high-risk people to the coronavirus and has probably resulted in many deaths. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, now he's a Republican, but he gets a lot of love from the press because he's always ready to attack President Trump. His state isn't doing so hot either with 28 deaths per 100,000. That means Maryland has a death rate more than twice that of Georgia, and Georgia's opened up. There's probably infinitely better reasons for the state-by-state discrepancies and outbreaks, all of which have been, dist- have been studied. But at least for now, the governors heralded by the media are not necessarily the ones that should be looking to for guidance. I would suggest that uh, DeSantis, our own governor DeSantis, is doing a pretty nice uh, job. Now, in juxtaposition, in a four-to-three decision in Wisconsin Supreme Court, their Supreme Court struck down uh, Governor Tony Evers' administration's stay-at-home order. The ruling essentially reopens the state, lifting caps on the size of gatherings, allowing people to travel as they please, and allowing shuttered businesses to reopen, including bars and restaurants. That's pretty cool. So governors that are restri- you know, trying to restrict business, why is that? What is, what is the agenda there? I just don't get it. The Fed chair is seriously worried about the economy, and we all are. The market took a big hit yesterday, down over 500 points, and I'm talking about the Dow Jones Industrial Average being a litmus test for what's happening in financial markets. COVID-19 has led to mass unemployment, is now threatening entire industries, but yesterday Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell 
set off the alarm uh, louder by calling on Congress to provide more aid for the economy. It's a big deal since typically the Fed stays away from telling lawmakers what to do. Now, because he says he, the downturn is worse than any recession recession since World War II, the Fed's already slashed interest rates, brought government bonds, and started lending uh, new lending programs. Now Powell says it's on Congress to help further. Now, when he looks to the Republican Party, Democrat Party, of course, what uh, Nancy Pelosi is offering is more free stuff. Let's uh, sell more marijuana, have people have that good, good feeling, get more money, stay away from their jobs, make people dependent and vote Democrat. That's basically, from my view, I'm simplifying greatly, but I think that's pretty much the Democrat platform. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Keith Flaw. He's one of my heroes down here. He and Pastor Rick Stevens started and founded uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance and have done a great job building influence to help kids in Florida get a better public education. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees. The goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Gulf Shore Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You just heard a commercial about the education programs and what builds more self-esteem for young people than being able to learn how to perform and talk in front of their peers. Uh, you can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Byron Donalds, our state representative and candidate for U.S. Congress. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, as I mentioned before the break. He's one of my heroes here on the on the Paradise Coast. He and Pastor Rick Stevens founded the Florida Citizens Alliance about eight years ago, and they've done great things. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. I'm excited to be with you. Well, thank you, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. 
Well, we're a statewide uh, coalition of uh, well over 100 groups. Uh, we work exclusively on K-12 education reform. Uh, the reform to us means uh, strongly supporting and advocating for school choice, parental choice, uh, getting rid of the indoctrination, and uh, other solutions that help individual children, um, you know, learn. Yeah. So, uh, that's our focus, and uh, we work very hard at it, as you know. As you know, and not only work hard at it, but get good results, too. The amount of influence that you've gained in Tallahassee has been very, very positive, and it's very positive for uh, young people in public education all over the state of Florida. So I understand you may, you testified yesterday uh, about rules uh, for you know, pertaining to the HOPE Scholarship. Yeah, it was actually um, with, uh, it's not every month, but at least every couple of months, the State Board of Education meets. Yesterday was a very, I'm excited to share some good news. Uh, two of the items uh, uh, on the agenda yesterday were re the reporting of incidents. Uh, it's called assessor reporting, which st uh, stands for, um, I'm looking for the, uh, the definition is, uh, School Safety Incident Reporting System. Um, and so, uh, and that had some direct implications on the HOPE scholarship notification. So we learned that they were working on this a couple months ago, and Pastor Rick and I have been uh, kind of consulting with the Department of Education on the wording of that. Uh, our original concern was that uh, there's 28 definitions to include. If, you're, if your listeners remember, the, the HOPE scholarship was an anti-bullying victims bill. Mm -hmm. uh, and that HOPE scholarship expanded the legal definition to include harassment, threat, and intimidation. Mm -hmm. And, of course, one of the other major things it did is it expanded the scope of, the, of, uh, of uh, bullying to include teachers and administrators bullying uh, kids uh, with uh, indoctrination, with uh, anything that the parent believes is intimidation or threat. Mm -hmm. So, uh, long story short, uh, yesterday uh, the, uh, the DOE took to the took to the State Board of Education this new rule uh, on uh, instant reporting. Uh, as a as a as a related item, uh, you may remember Bob that back in the, right after the Parkland incident, uh, and uh, we all became aware of the. Um, Promise program that they were in, that they had instituted over in Broward County uh, to to basically hide uh, incidents and not report them so that they right. could get more federal money. Right. Uh, well, uh, as an outcrop of that, the governor uh, directed the Department of Education to substantially improve what's called the CESA rule. That's this incident reporting. And uh, when we got involved a couple months ago, we were concerned that some of the 28 definitions, particularly the ones on harassment and threat and intimidation, weren't as strong as they needed to be. Um, it, as it turns out, the, the Board of Education accepted our input on that. Uh, we also uh, wanted to have in the, the SESA rule that was passed yesterday a clear statement that would require that every time an incident was reported, any one of the 28 incidents, that the parent, uh, the victim of the incident, and the parent had to be had to be notified of the Hope Scholarship. Um, Boy, that's what, a very positive. That's a very positive outcome because I think uh, most people are just not aware of the Hope Scholarship and what it represents, the opportunity and choices that it, it uh, represents for parents and kids in, in public schools in Florida. Right. Well, what happened yesterday was they, they, they the board the state board of education passed this, the new CESA rule, mm -hmm. which. Uh, actually uh, not only strengthened the definitions uh, and it was consistent with what we were looking to have happen, uh, but it also put some real teeth in uh, and now gives the Commissioner of Education a process by which if the local school district and superintendent aren't reporting consistent with the new rule, uh, that there's a process now where they, the, 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 the superintendent will forfeit their salary. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty that, severe. That was, that was a pretty good thing. <laughs> yeah. Now, regarding the, the the second part that we were looking for, uh, what the what Commissioner Corcoran decided to do, there's also <laughs> a separate rule on the Hope Scholarship, and what he announced to the state board after our testimony yesterday was that he liked our wording uh, to require, but he's going to amend the Hope rule 
Hope Scholarship Rule rather than put that into the CESA rule. So yesterday they passed a very strong CESA rule with teeth. And in July, uh, Commissioner Corcoran told the board he was going to be bringing back an amendment to the Hope Scholarship Rule, which would require every incident that's reported to Cesar that the parent, the victim, be notified uh, and given an opportunity to uh, to exercise their rights under the Hope Scholarship. So both really positive, um, and we were excited to, and delighted to be able to influence that. Well, congratulations to you and uh, Pastor Rick, Keith. I think that's just a great outcome. Uh, and uh, just to remind our listeners, if I get this right, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the Hope Scholarship is basically if an incident occurs and a parent says, complains and says, I want my uh, child removed from the school and, and to enroll in a different school, it's not up for debate. They don't have any kind of hearing about it. It automatically happens. In other words, they have to comply with the parents' wishes. A major step forward in school choice, and uh, the, you know, I, I think it's important that families understand the benefit here because we know bullying goes on all the time in schools, and kids should be in a safe environment in order to learn. Well, you're absolutely right, and you explained that well uh, last year. Uh, and, and for the last three years that I'm aware of, there have been over 50,000 incidents, assessor uh, incidents reported. Wow! But they've been very they've been very inconsistent. Mm -hmm. And yet there were there were less than 300 Hope scholarships awarded in, uh, last year, and that's because the school districts are hiding it, right? Yeah. Um, they're just not telling parents, uh, and so what we're looking for is a, a, an effective way to uh, notify every one of those 50,000 plus parents that when their child is a victim uh, of harassment, bullying uh, in any shape or form, that they're notified of their of this Hope Scholarship and have a right to exercise it. And you were absolutely right on. The school district has no authority to tell the parent they don't qualify. All the parent has to do is file the formal complaint using the state notification form and they immediately qualify for uh, and, uh, up to and including a, uh, an $8,000 scholarship to send their child to a private school. Or another public school if they choose to, right? So it's yeah, uh, right. At, uh, a, ch a school of their choice. Thank goodness we're moving in that direction. Keith Law, again, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. I'm sitting here looking right here at your news feed, which is just so impressive. And I'm sure you can sign up and get a copy by going to the website, goflca.com. GoFLCA.com. Keith, appreciate everything you're doing in the community. I really appreciate you taking time to come on the show today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. Have a good day, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Byron Donalds, our state representative and candidate for U.S. Congress. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC 
ABC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Proudly serve on the board, and I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state representative and candidate for U.S. Congress, Byron Donalds. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm well, Byron. I hope you're doing well as well. Uh, I am, you know, you know, my listeners, I think it's uh, everybody's trying to get back to normal here in florida as best we can and uh you just try to be patient and be smart about it yeah well we're certainly right in the middle of it uh i wanted to talk to you uh, a little bit about the proposal that nancy pelosi's come up with three trillion dollar plan to uh supplement what's already occurred to help get us back on track what are your thoughts Uh, my first thoughts are that it's dead on arrival Mm -hmm. i just don't see how uh, that's ever going to get through the United States Senate, and, and and rightfully so. I think a couple of things. Number one, this is, I believe, Nancy Pelosi's political response to show that Democrats are doing something other than just criticize. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, um, the amount that she has in here, uh, roughly a trillion dollars for uh, state and local governments. Um, it's not clear to me what um, what holds ties around that money. Um, also, I think also what's got to be a part of this, and this is why it's important for Congress to be doing this stuff under regular order and not just the speaker coming out with a big spending bill, which is exactly what she did. She did this in the cover of darkness with her leadership team, and there have been no hearings on what's necessary and what's not, uh, so that the American people can see um, how much money they're proposing to spend. Um, but you can actually see states, frankly, governors, come to the podium on Capitol Hill and ask for this money yeah. and explain why to the people why this money is critical to their states. You're not seeing that at all. Uh, the third thing is that it's clear that there are several, There obviously there are red states like our state, Florida, um, that is not looking to accept federal money in some respects, budgetarily doesn't need federal bailouts. And then you have the, the typical states, California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey, um, you know, maybe Washington, maybe Oregon, um, that are poorly run from a fiscal perspective. And then when any crisis hits, not just this one, but any crisis hits, they have no ability to maintain themselves and to respond in kind. And so I think what it's really is I know, you uh, know, the lack of governance in blue states. Yeah, and uh, she, she coats this proposal with comments like, we face the biggest catastrophe in our nation's history. This is a moment where many millions of our fellow Americans are deep in suffering. We must have empathy for our heroes. This is a Heroes Act is basically what she's calling it. To me, when I take a step back from this, uh, Byron, what I see is you know a, a program to help get more I- illegal immigrants, get them compensation and pay, you know, to put them on the, on the take, on the dole. Uh, to uh, put, keep people on food stamps and on uh, on uh, the, the public dole, uh, to reduce the desire to get back and work, and to uh, basically, I'm, I'm, it's just <laughs> just basically uh, buy votes for the Democrat Party. Well, listen, on the point of trying to reduce, uh, make it harder for, to get people to go back to work, that already happened in the first bill, unfortunately. We're right. already hearing and seeing the reports that restaurants who are opening are having a hard time finding workers because they're earning more money staying on unemployment than actually going back to work. Right. So there's already kind of initiative moving through the country, unfortunately. Obviously, you're correct. Um, this bill will only make that worse. And so, you know, it's just not, frankly, I would never vote for a bill like this. I don't think any Republican in, in, in the House is voting for this. It's dead on arrival from what from what everything I read I read in the Senate. 
But but what we have to do is be careful with what these types of provisions and these type of proposals that Nancy Pelosi knows isn't going anywhere, and that and and um, be careful, be ready to to deal with her because what she's going to try to pin her hopes on is that Republicans are not caring about the little guy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and how local governments are are being. Uh, harm during the coronavirus. Uh, the second big thing I would say is that we do have to make sure, and I think this is why I'm going to go back to it, this is why regular order is important, even under coronavirus. This is why it's important uh, that members of Congress are actually holding hearings, actually getting this information directly from state leaders and local leaders, um, and make them advocate for these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, make them actually have to come out, come out and show, as opposed to doing this behind the behind the to the Speaker's office in Washington. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Byron. And again, I just, uh, the devil's in the details, of course, in this stuff. And I think the first bill that went through, the $600 payment, for, which is higher than for unemployment, is higher than what most people would, were making when they were uh, went on unemployment. And when they lost their jobs because of the coronavirus pandemic, the, the point being is that uh, that wasn't so supposed to be in the bill. It was a surprise, apparently, to the president. He signed the bill anyhow because they were in this pandemic uh, situation, emergency situation. But it's harmful. Hopefully, we can have further legislation that will correct this. Well, listen, I think that if we're going to do anything, uh, a lot of these blue states, they have to you know, go about the route of making sure that they reopen properly especially in parts of their state that are not having major issues with coronavirus. I mean, take New York for a moment. New York City um, is an obvious, um, you know, it's, it's obviously that is the hot spot in the country for coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, but n- upstate New York is like every other part of the country. Uh, California, yes, they're having uh, issues in Los Angeles, in Sacramento, um, um, in San Francisco. But the rest of the state, as vast as California is, they can actually begin to open up those those all those portions of the state, uh, similar to what Governor DeSantis is doing here in Florida, where most of the counties are really beginning to reopen, but he still has some additional uh, lockdown concerns in Miami-Dade, Broward County. Yeah. And I think if there's that kind of leadership response from those governors, we can actually see our economy begin to turn around and begin to see people get back to work so that we don't have to go down this line of massive, I mean, unprecedented deficit spending. Um, that there's no possible way to get out of. Well, absolutely. Each day, each hour that goes by, we get further and further uh, less of a grasp on keeping our econ- economy vital. So we need to <laughs> we need to move quickly. You know, people are going to. There's clearly there's there's a risk in living, and no matter what you do, you can't prevent every death. We have the virus here, just like we have the flu every year, just like we have people having heart attacks. Uh, we need to be very cautious, and we need to make sure that we're protecting our own health. We can have a, we can make those decisions for ourselves, Byron. But whatever we're able to do, if we have a strong immune system, let's go back to work. Yep, I agree. So, uh, Byron, uh, what about the beaches uh, here in, in Cuyahoga County? What are your thoughts on how the, uh, or I should say in Naples, how the uh, city councils handled it? I disagree with the city council and their handling of, of how they dealt with the beaches. Listen, a couple of things. First, it was Mother's Day weekend. Anybody who's ever been to the beach on Mother's Day weekend knows the beaches are always packed on Mother's Day weekend. Mm. That's number one. Number two, just because people were coming over from Miami or Broward County does not mean that the people that were on the beach were any more infected with coronavirus other than the people who live in Carter County that were at the beach. The reason why is because nobody has the information or the data to know the amount of people or percentage of the population that carry coronavirus that are asymptomatic. So that's number two. Number three, the social distancing and even um, sheltering in place orders, closing of the public beaches, all of that was designed to bend the curve so that our hospital system was not overwhelmed. Right. The hospital system in Collier County is not overwhelmed. The hospital system in Broward County and Miami-Dade County are not overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have capacity to take care of people who are sick, who carry heavy symptoms of coronavirus. So much so, the state sent back ventilators to the federal government. So we have capacity in our state. I think what the city council did, and frankly, Collier County, the, the county commission followed suit, was a response to fear uh, by members of the council and the commission, and also by some residents in the county mm-hmm. uh, and in the city of Naples. I think that we can't be making fear-based decisions, especially in a time like this. We have to make decisions based upon real information. And it's not clear to me at all 
that there was any need to put in beach restrictions when people within their groups, of course, they're one foot apart or two feet apart, but the distance between groups was definitely six to ten feet apart if you look at any of the aerial photos that came from anybody, whether they were for or against uh, or against putting in new beach restrictions. Yeah, I could not agree more, Byron. I think that's so smart. And uh, uh, we see so many decisions right now that are being driven by fear and not by facts. As, again, the governor said he wants to make decisions based on facts, not fear. I think that's a good policy and a good way to think about it. Now, last question, um, how's the account? You know, you know, I support you for Congress. So how's the campaign going? Uh, going good. You know, people are on the campaign trail. Some things are starting to break loose. Uh, starting to do more interviews and and you know speaking to voters, uh, you know, starting to do you know phone banking things of that nature. Um, you know, obviously, people are mostly focused on you know number one, really getting back to work. I think more people are focused on that more than the virus at this point, right? Um, and trying to figure out what their own personal economic lives are. Um, so I think it's going to be a major portion of, of the campaign and, and and how we communicate to voters. But you know, it's going to start getting breaking some things loose. Hopefully we'll be announcing some cool things over the next couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, just stay tuned. The biggest thing right now is let's, let's uh, get our economy back on track. And that can only be done by people actually running their businesses and, and, and people going back to work. It cannot be done by government. Byron Donalds, again, byrondonalds.com is the website. Make a donation. Again, he's the candidate I've chosen out of the thick nine or ten candidates we have. I think he'll make a, do a great job in U.S. Congress. Byrondonalds.com, again, is the website. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog Two Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog Two Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog Two Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road. And it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to underscore the point that was made about St. Matthew's House. And uh, they're open for business now, all of their businesses. And uh, you can just think about the pandemic and what this has done on those that were marginally living paycheck to paycheck, some people now homeless, many people who are in need of food. And uh, St. Matthew's House is doing a great job without any government funding. So I hope you visit the website, stmatthewshouse.org. And also, visit one of the businesses, patronize their thrift shops, car washes, and so forth. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Naples' former mayor, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. How are you? I'm well, Seton. I hope you are as well. Yes, sir. Tell us about Less Government. We 
size, scope, and sphere of influence of government and call out hypocrites when they make a living off of the government and then complain about their, their heavy hand. That got us an intro to the next story here, which is, of course, about yes. Elon Musk. You wrote about the hypocrisy of Elon Musk. Maybe you could tell us about it. This guy has, uh, there was an article in the LA Times in 2015 chronicling the $4.9 billion in subsidies. Elon Musk has, had received at that point, which means by now, considering he, you know he's in the electric car business and the solar panel business, and has been for the five years intervening, he's he's probably way over dollars in government subsidies now. Yeah, and then he comes out and complains about the heavy-handed government on his electric car company, yeah. which is entirely propped up by government money and says he's going to move his company to save billions in taxes, <laughs> which we've had to give him $6 billion, and he becomes the hero of the right for, for, for chastising uh, big government. Well, welcome to the party, pal. You're, you're <laughs> sitting on a giant pile of $6 billion of our money given to you by government, and you're complaining about government. It's insane. Well, you know, but you've got to give it to him. Getting $6 billion to run your company. <laughs> yes. uh, it's it's, it's unbelievable. You know, it's, it's just the whole... Look, he... His entire business model has been going to the businesses that give you the most government money. He, 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 he emerged... He was... He was in on the uh, PayPal sale, uh, uh, Peter Thiel, who's one of the few tech, tech guys who supports Trump, founded PayPal and grew it into a big, giant company. Musk was in on the deal, too. Uh, and they made a ton of money selling it to eBay. eBay bought PayPal. So at that point, Peter Thiel became a private sector guru and started Clarium Capital, and, which is an uh, angel investment firm, and then um, started investing in other things. He was the first outside money, by the way, into Facebook. Facebook was built for 18 grand. It was on two continents. And Peter Thiel came in, gave him 500 grand, and it, it, it turned into 500 million. That's a pretty good return yeah, on your investment. That's huh? pretty good uh, yeah. But anyway, Musk took his private sector money and immediately stuck his snout in the government trough. All his businesses, or just about all of them, are predicated upon government money, uh, solar, uh, electric cars. Uh, his SpaceX is reliant exclusively on government contracts. Um, and, and he knew that he could fail and fail and fail and fail, and government wouldn't cut him off. SpaceX has been a disaster for almost 10 years now. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he, they were originally supposed to have their first manned flight uh, in January of 2019. They still haven't launched. Um, it's, it's just, he's, he is the welfare king of all time. Right. And, and for him to then come out and, you know, oh, government's terrible. And I'm moving because the government won't let me open my electric car business that's entirely subsidized by government money. Get the hell out of here! I'm, you know. I, so, but here's the sequel to this thing: is California cave. They said, "Oh, well, then go ahead, open your." Of course, your they did. That's, <laughs> the, that's the one bet that was safer than government money in the first place. Yeah, uh, just uh, it's uh, you know, the, California. At, at some point, the Silicon Valley morons are going to figure out that they can do what they're doing anywhere, and why are they propping up the entire state with their tax money? And they're going to leave and go somewhere. Um, I, when I was living in Austin in the late 90s, they, they, they were calling it uh, Silicon Valley East. Yeah. Because it was happening. And then 9-11 happened, and that kind of, you know, that shook up the Etch-A-Sketch for a while. <laughs> but I left, in two, I left Austin in 2006, and I, apparently it's picked back up again. And, uh, you know, why would you... <laughs> Why would you stay? There's no state income tax in Texas, and they have all kinds of great infrastructure in uh, in Austin, right? For, precisely for your industry. What the hell are you still in California for? Yeah. Now you know, so Seton, I really appreciate the story that you had. This SpaceX failure is just unbelievable. They've had one failed mission after another. They've had well, you know, delays. They're invested. Government and Musk are invested in each other's failure. I, I, I cited an article from twenty. 16 or 2015 on on a previous 
uh, attempts, where something went disastrously long. The, the rocket blew up on the launch pad, right. and the government. It was like the fifth or sixth time it had happened, and it cost like 110 million bucks each time, or or thereabouts. And so the government comes and goes. Okay, we're going to do an, you know, inspect, we're going to inspect this thing. We're going to give you a report. Not in a month, because the report should take about a month. We'll give you a report in two years. Uh-huh. Well, then the two years go by and they go, we're not giving you a report. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it's, it's losers of the world unite. You know, it's loser Musk and loser government getting together and covering each other's asses. Yeah. And then they continue to spend our money. Yeah. It is amazing. And right, right now, what's going on? I can't believe we're $25 trillion in debt, $786 billion just in the month of April, and increased debt for the United States government. I mean, there's going to be a price to pay for it. Out with a three trillion dollar additional bill, which is full of the craziest leftist crap you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Seton Watley, again, the founder and president of Les- Lesco. I just genuinely appreciate your very vocal and enthusiastic commentary and right on commentary, I might add I as well. Did, uh, I'm sorry, Elon Musk is one of my pet peeves because we have so many on our side defending him. I'm like, you, what do you look at what you're defending for God's sake? <laughs> Seton Motley, again, the founder of Less Government. LessGovernment.org is the website. LessGovernment.org. I hope you check it out. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Naples former mayor Bill Barnett. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show uh, on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob. I'm always, always thrilled to be on the Bob Harden Show on Thursdays. You know that. I'm always thrilled to have you as a guest, Bill. (laughs) Hey, so, you know, let's see this big plume of smoke over uh, the east part of Collier County. It was just amazing, and big fires out there in Golden Gate. Uh, I guess it was Golden Gate Estates. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, um, uh, it's a huge fire, and they don't have them contained, from what I understand, Bob, um, yeah. from a little while ago. Um, and those winds are, you know, I'm sitting here watching the wind blow at our house today, and trees are, you know, there's, there's some, some good strength winds there, and I... 
and that certainly doesn't help them out any. No, it sure um, doesn't. And uh, last night, um, we, we, were, we were barbecuing last night, and you, if you were up north, you would have thought it was a snowstorm because the ashes were carrying all the way. And, you know, we, we live, uh, um, I mean, we're pretty far west, and uh, um, those white ashes were just coming down, so wow. it, carried, it was carrying it a long way. Yeah. We were at a restaurant with friends last night and uh, at Blue Provence, having a just, I love Blue Provence, such a wonderful restaurant. And uh, it is. had a great time, but, you know, you, you couldn't help but smell in the, the uh, I'll call it an odor. Or right. of the uh, of the fire was just uh, pretty extreme. So, yeah, I mean, the, but we should understand that this is pretty typical for this time of year, isn't it? Well, it is, and we say that every year. And um, I think last year we got lucky, um, and um, we were hoping that we would do the same this year. And we've got some weather coming in this weekend, um, uh, but I don't know how much damage is going to be done. You know, prior to that happening, they were talking about some rain tomorrow and then into the weekend, but. Uh, we need it now. Yeah. Now, for, yeah, you know. for our listeners' benefit, I mean, parts of, I guess, uh, I-75 have been closed, if I'm not mistaken, Route uh, 82. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and some people... Out, out by Everglades, uh, Everglades Boulevard is closed. Um, uh, there's a lot of roads out there that are closed, so who, if you're heading out that way or whatever, you better check. Yeah. And the smoke and everything else. So, you know, I feel bad for the folks out there. There was... From my understanding is there were a few homes that, that were destroyed. Now, I don't know that for a fact, so, but I, I had heard that also this morning. So let's hope that's not the case. Yeah, so, uh, you know, as former mayor of Naples, by the way, just, it just popped into my mind, of course, one of the uh, ways you gained notoriety nationally is by being on the Weather Channel all the time reporting on the hurricane updates uh, around the country. Oh, uh, yeah. Hurricane Irma, yeah. And they were heading yeah. back into hurricane season. I understand there was a tropical depression. Hopefully it won't affect us at all. But, uh, boy, here we go again, huh? Well, yeah, here we go every year. You know, we say it, and then, of course, they, the predictors for, from all over the U.S. say, oh, they're going to have this many, they're going to have this many, they're going to win. And you, you have to wonder, you know, um, the, I don't think they're right, all right? I mean, they're, they're more wrong than they are right, but they say, well, this year, Kai is going to have, or, I mean, um, you know, Florida's going to have seven major hurricanes or what have you. I, I have no idea how they know, and I'm, I've, I've yet to be uh, proven wrong when I say um, I think that's just a, a guess, and so take it for that. You yeah, know what you I know, mean? I do know what you mean. In fact, uh, my enthusiasm for entertaining any kind of model like we've had for this coronavirus is right, in damage. Right. I mean, they've been so much so discredited so often. I mean, we need to deal with facts and not... Uh, Hype. And not hypes, indeed. Uh, it's just just a shame, actually. So the beaches, uh, this, this has been somewhat of a controversy here in Naples and Collier County. Any comments and thoughts? Well, you know, watching the whole thing the other day uh, unfold at, at City Council was was somewhat of a um, uh, it was a, it was a it was a soap opera, you know. For a while, some of the council members wanted some restrictions that uh, I mean were were horrendous. Uh, I mean, and and then there were some where uh, they, they couldn't get together, they couldn't figure out, you know, do you want coolers, do you not want coolers, you're going to open the beach, you're not, what are the hours going to be, are we going to restrict the hours? And the whole point was because of what happened that last weekend, which I agree was way over the top, but we had everybody from the East Coast came over, mm -hmm. and I think I told you on your show last week uh, that that was going to happen, and it sure did, and so everybody, um, you know, said, okay, well, what are we going to do to to to, to you know, not let this happen again. So they put some pretty tough restrictions on, good ones, I think. And uh, they finally came to, to a meeting of the minds. I, I love it when the mayor, um, uh, the minute the meeting opened last week, but, I mean, the other day, Bob, um, she immediately said before anything happened, uh, well, let's take a vote on this. Uh, who <laughs> wants to close the beaches and, and who wants to leave them open? And it's like uh, Councilman Gary Price, uh, uh, who I love, said, uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not voting on anything until I hear from what the public has to say. And they must have had a hundred uh, emails and things that had to be read. And she says, oh, okay. You know, and then when it came time to vote, uh, she voted uh, three different times on the same subject. Um, one yes, one no, and one I don't know. And then 
she had said, well, I was just getting tired, and I, I didn't remember where I was. So she finally, she got it right, though. I'll give her credit for that. Yeah, well, it's so, just a uh, shame. I, I mean, that, yeah. that, speaks, that speaks to preparation, I think, and, and being prepared for, for the discussion, number one. And number two, right. I mean, don't you, don't you ask for some homework to be done? You do usually by the, the, city, the city manager gets some information together for you in order to make those decisions? Well, that, you know, the, the, the thing was on that, I mean, all of a sudden, you you know, you're faced with uh, with um, uh, the, the, you know what happened just a couple of days ago, and you have to make these decisions, and you don't have a lot of time to make them. So each person did do you know, and on their uh, on their behalf, they they all had ideas. Mm-hmm. Some of them were a little a little out in left field, but um, uh, it was an interesting vote, and I say that because. Um, she because the three that um, were were so adamant, right? It was Kristen, uh, Vice Mayor Hutchison, and um, um, and no, it wasn't Paul Perry and one of the other council people, um, and and she voted against them. And those were the ones that her that was her big, you know, up to this point uh, that she was in pretty much in lockstep with. So I'm glad to see that she um, is doing what she felt was the best thing and. Uh, uh, they were they were visibly upset because they felt, oh my gosh, now we're going to be in for real trouble. Well, I'm I'm hoping that's not the case. Yeah, you know, but, I. So, Bill, I just out of curiosity, before we before you leave you today, uh, uh, any how how are you handling everything, the shutdown, and, and what's going on right now with with regard to the pandemic? Well, you know, we're I mean we're handling it okay. I I think that uh, I see more and more people out, and I see a lot of traffic. You know, the traffic has definitely picked up, Bob, and. I think people are, and I'm sure you agree with me, they're, they're, even though they know they should be listening to what's being told to them, they're being told a lot of things, and they are opening up states. Yeah. And people want to get back to work, and I'd like to see that as well. But, you know, at what cost? I guess that's always the question. Right, yeah. Well, there's always going to be, you know, it's, it's a, you know, you're going to have consequences no matter what you choose to do. I think right. I, I'm just so proud of the governor saying, hey, uh, look, Boston. If you don't want to have uh, the Red Sox playing up there, we're welcome them down here. And any sports right. team that wants to come down, I thought that was a, that was a stroke of genius on the part of the governor. Because some some uh, like the, the New York Mets, the New York Yankees, they're there in right. sp- spots where I think they were told in Boston they couldn't play until September the eighth or something like that. Well, come on down here and play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought it was a great idea as well. And uh, they want the sports teams down here. They want to start playing. You know. Now, whether you're going to get fans to watch or not, I don't know, but at least uh, be a way to watch on TV, et cetera, et cetera, right? Absolutely. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. I genuinely appreciate, number one, your friendship, but number two, taking time to come on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, my pleasure, and if you're playing golf today... Hit him straight, hit oh. him downwind. All right. Wouldn't that be fun? Okay, <laughs> thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bob. All right. In fact, I am playing golf today and looking forward to it. Uh, that's a wrap in today's show. I, I, one of the things I didn't get in, and unfortunately, we wanted to talk about this Emmett Sullivan, federal judge, making the being obstreperous and difficult with regard to the Michael Flynn case and everything that I read. You know, he's the he's the same judge that dismissed uh, the. Uh, uh, Stevens case. He was the uh, senator from Alaska who uh, got defeated a race, and he dismissed the case because of prosecutorial abuse after the case, after the election was lost. Well, it seems now that he's uh, the same situation, exact same situation, prosecutorial abuse. And uh, he's saying, well, I'm going to bring in another person, is John Gleason, is a retired judge, uh, a political activist uh, appointed by uh, uh, by uh, see his face now, Clinton back in the day. Point being is that uh, this is, should not be allowed. This should not be allowed at all. He's just being difficult because of his political leanings. Flynn has been through enough. Leave him alone already, okay? So let's dismiss the case and move on. Just my thoughts. Uh, that's a wrap for today's show. I hope you'll join me tomorrow. We're going to visit with William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Brad Palumbo with the Washington Examiner will be joining us. Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? And Dave Vigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, will be with us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.